I'm not a bug person in any means. I can't stand the sight of them. So the idea of a beetle morphing into my skin is the biggest nightmare fuel I've ever seen. Sonos Real Latinos. Hola y bienvenidos a Real Latinos. My name is Ismael. This is Guti. ¿Qué pasó? ¿Qué pasó, mi gente? This is Ron. What's up? And today we have a very special guest. You know him, you love him. This is the three-peat. Dime is back on the show. Dime, welcome back to Real Latinos. How you feeling? I'm feeling good. It's, uh, it's good to be back. Oh, man. It's lovely to have you back. We have a great time every single time we talk to you. And, uh, you know, Dime is our unofficial, official uh, superhero correspondent. So any superhero movie that got drops, you know we have to have Dime back on the show. So welcome, Dime, to Real Latinos, a podcast covering Latin American movies because nobody else will. Man. Yeah. So we got a couple things to bring up before we start the show. Um, so over the weekend, there was unfortunately a hurricane, Hurricane Hillary or a Tropical Storm Hillary. There was one fatality over in Mexico, and um, we just wanted to address it on the show. And we hope that everybody is staying safe out there. Hopefully it wasn't too bad for all of y'all, either in Southern California or in Baja California or Baja California Sur. Um, uh, and just remember that anytime that there's any, uh, you know, uh unnatural or natural natural disasters please stay safe uh at home if you can and um yeah so just wanted to address that up top and we also have another thing to address uh guti why don't you go ahead and take it away for um what we need to address for for nicaragua yeah so unfortunately there's some some bad news coming out of nicaragua so uh this past week the dictatorship of daniel ortega and his wife rosario murillo uh, officially accused the University of Central America, La Uca, uh, which you know we see in our episode of La Yuma and the film we covered um, is the university that Yuma goes to, uh, or her boyfriend goes to. Um, it's basically the Jesuit University in the in the capital of Nicaragua, and it was officially declared um, that basically they're you know terrorism essentially that the university. Um, as a proponent of terrorism, and they moved to freeze the university's bank accounts, uh, conf confiscate the campus, and uh, all installations. Uh, a few days later, which was over this past weekend, um, the Jesuit residence that's off campus, um, that's completely separate from La Uca, um, was also confiscated by the Nicaraguan government, and the Jesuits were expelled from their home. Um, just to give some background, so La Uca is like one of the region's most highly regarded colleges, Jesuit institution, like I mentioned, and it also houses the Institute of History of Nicaragua and Central America, uh, which is considered the main documentation and memory center in the country, equipped with its own library, newspaper library, and valuable photographic archives. Um, this is kind of a, a big deal because it was one of the last havens for the youth to kind of express their opposition to the regime's actions. Um, in 2018, it served as one of the main hubs of the larger anti-government protests that erupted throughout Nicaragua, um, which I was there when that happened. Um, and Ortega regime dictated. Uh, <clears throat> and the reason that that came to, uh, those protests came about was because Ortega's regime, uh, on top of many human rights abuses that have happened since the beginning of his presidency in 2007, his second stint, 
um, basically dictated a reform to Social Security uh, that, among other things, involved a cutback of very small pensions the elder, that the elderly received. Um, peaceful demonstrations have been held in Nicaragua since then, um, but of course they've turned violent, um, and many who are students of La Uca um, have been attacked by police and paramilitary under Ortega's command, uh, during which over these past few years, and I'm sure it's many more, uh, over 300 protesters have been killed, many um, killed with sniper bullets. Uh, the expulsions and closures and confiscations have not just targeted the church, um, but it's also outlawed or closed more than 3,000 civic groups and non-governmental organizations, including the Nicaraguan Red Cross. Um, he's basically been able to do this because he has absolute power uh, over Congress and has absolute control over it. And he's act enacted changes to basically stay in, within the presidency as well, in our, as, as well as insert new laws um, just the kind of like the gist of it is that basically if anyone says or does anything that's against the current government um, or, you know, seemed as destructive, basically they can send them to jail. Um, and so <clears throat> in 2001, there was also a presidential election to reelect Ortega. And as a part of that, he basically arrested the opposition, all the presidential candidates that um, were going up against him. Um, with no due process and in horrible jail conditions, which many human rights activists have kind of called as dungeons. Um, and I mean, we can we could sit here and talk about an entire podcast about all the human rights abuses that have occurred in Nicaragua during his regime. Um, but the most important thing and the reason I wanted to bring up is awareness. Uh, the more people that are kind of talking about it, the more people that are involved um, and we can come together as an international community. It'll help to continue to put pressure on Ortega to stop these human rights abuses. Um, the US and other countries have already placed restrictions on government officials there, um, but it's you know simply not enough, especially with um, unfortunately Russia and Cuba and China being um, you know being within the country and having uh, and, or, and supporting Ortega. So, anyways, just wanted to bring that up. Um, you know, talk about it um, because, you know, we're very blessed to be here in this country. I mean, that's the reason this very same thing that's happened in Nicaragua, again, it's repeating history. It's the very reason my parents came to the, to the States and the reason I'm here. Um, so just wanted to, to put it out there and, and hopefully, you know, I'll give Ron some links to include in the show notes um, for kind of resources and stuff like that so you can learn more about it and share it with your friends, government, elected government officials, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, thanks, uh, Guti, for giving us that information. So please, 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 everyone, if you have time, please make the, or if you don't, please make the time uh, to learn a little bit more about what's going on there in Nicaragua. But thank you, Guti, for giving us a really good, um, basically, a, a rundown of what's going on. Um, so yeah, thank, thank you, Guti. Thank you, Guti. Uh, but pivoting real hard, we're going to be talking now about movies. We're going to be talking about Blue Beetle. So Blue Beetle coming out this year. It's in theaters right now. Um, shot for IMAX. So I think it's shot for IMAX, right? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, shot for IMAX. So go and check it out in an IMAX theater. You know, uh, uh, Barbie had its run. Oppenheimer had its run. Let let Blue Beetle go. You know what I'm saying? Let Blue Beetle have a chance. So go out and check it out in theaters. Uh, it's playing now. Um, so make sure that you watch the movie before you listen to this episode. If you mind spoilers, we will be going through every, like not every single spoiler, but we will be going through spoilers in this movie. So, or in this episode for this movie. So please, please, please go watch the movie and then come on back. And so you can hear all about uh, this film. 
So, Guti, why don't you go ahead and give us some historical context for Blue Beetle? The character Blue Beetle dates back to 1939's Mystery Men Comics number one, which predates DC Comics. The first Blue Beetle in those comics was Dan Garrett, who would later be incorporated in DC Comics lore in 1980. The second Blue Beetle in DC Comics history, introduced in 1966 and created by Spider-Man co-creator Steve Ditko, was none other than the technological genius Ted Kord, who despite not appearing in this film, plays a central role in the story. In this film, Angel Manuel Solo pays tribute to both in the opening credits and later in the film when the estate Victoria Cord takes Jaime to have the scarab extracted shows both heroes' costumes and gadgets on display. Our Blue Beetle in this film is the first live-action studio superhero film to center on a Latino superhero and is the third iteration of Blue Beetle at DC Comics, first appearing in 2005 and receiving his own solo series a year later in 2006. Jaime Reyes was created by writer and artist Keith Giffen, writer John Rogers, and artist Kali Hamner. As mentioned by David Bencourt in an article for the Washington Post, Hamner's Blue Beetle design was inspired by studying the look of beetles and adding a luchador feel with the suit's mask as a nod to the character's Mexican heritage. Blue Beetle is filled with Latin American historical and pop culture references. One of the jokes revisited multiple times throughout honors Mexico's iconic superhero satire at Chapulín Colorado, a classic Mexican TV show that parodied, parodied popular superheroes. Its original run was created and stars the legendary comedian Roberto Bolaños, also known as Chespirito. The Chapulín Colorado is funky and a goofy hero that creates more problems than he solves but has a heart of gold. The inclusion of this reference is even more apt in the film, given that the costume and name of El Chapulín Colorado is based on a species of grasshopper. A grim historical reference in Blue Beetle relates to Conrad Carapax's backstory as we flash back to the death of his mother, being kidnapped by Cord, and for a couple of seconds shown a sign that reads School of Americas. The School of Americas, now known as the Western Hemisphere Institute for Security Cooperation, is based in Fort Moore, previously known as Fort Benning, and is a military school that has trained over 65,000 Latin American soldiers for over six decades. Some of the graduates of this military school have gone on to become some of the most notorious dictators ever in the history of Latin America. Many of the soldiers trained there have been responsible for the torture and massacre of tens of thousands of civilians across Latin America. Even though countless attempts have been made to shut down the school since its inception, it is still operational just under the new name previously aforementioned. To end on a lighter note, we can now report that Angel Manuel Soto is a fan of the Real Latinos podcast, having included references <laughs> and sequences from GDT's Kronos and Roberto Garon's Macario, two episodes that we have covered so far. Absolutely fantastic historical context. And you know what, Angel? Come on the show. Come on the show, Angel. We'll, we'll receive you with open arms. We love your work so far. Well, I mean, I we'll get into that, but uh, uh, in our in our uh, respective histories. But uh, Angel Manuel Soto, you know, we know you listen. We know it. Just come on the show, and and uh, give us the rundown of uh, how all these references came to be for the movie. Uh, and to let, let's get the the step by step process of what's going on in this movie. So, Ron, why don't you go ahead and give us a synopsis for Blue Beetle? Jaime Reyes is a recent graduate of Gotham Law University. He returns home to his family in Palmera City to begin his new life. 
Opportunities are hard to come by, however, and Jaime and his sister Milagro find themselves cleaning and subsequently getting fired from the estate of billionaire gentrifier turned supervillainess Victoria Cord. Cord's niece Jenny takes pity on Jaime and offers to find him a job at Cord Industries the next day. Jaime shows up with his entire family in tow, but his interview is abruptly cancelled when Jenny finds him in the lobby and asks him to take a cheeseburger box home and hide it as the building is put into security lockdown. Once home, the Reyes pressure Jaime into opening the box, revealing the strange scarab device inside. The scarab suddenly activates, attaching itself to Jaime's spine and covering him with a technologically advanced supersuit. Jaime goes to find Jenny and get the scarab removed, but instead ends up saving her from Victoria's mercenaries. Jaime, Jenny, and Jaime's Uncle Rudy break into Cord Industries to steal an old watch that belonged to Jenny's father that will help them understand what the Scarab can do. In the process, they are attacked by Carapax, Victoria's bodyguard, who has a tech suit of his own called an OMAC. The suit takes over Jaime's body and nearly kills Carapax, but Jaime narrowly stops it and Jaime, Jenny, and Rudy escape to Jenny's childhood home. Using the watch, they discover Jenny's dad's secret hideout. Her father was a superhero called the Blue Beetle that spent his life studying the Scarab which is actually an alien artificial intelligence called Kajida. Meanwhile, Victoria's forces attack the Reyes family home, prompting Jaime to return to save them. During the battle, the house is destroyed and Jaime's father goes into cardiac arrest, distracting Jaime long enough for Carapax to incapacitate and kidnap him. Jaime's father succumbs to his condition and dies, but Jenny, Rudy, Milagro, and Jaime's mom and grandma decide to use Jenny's dad's old blue beetle tech to mount a rescue mission to save Jaime. Victoria uses Jaime and Kajida to enhance Carapax's Omax suit, the first of potentially thousands. Fortunately, Jenny and the Reyes family arrive and outmatch Victoria's mercenaries, allowing Jaime to battle Carapax one-on-one. In the end, Kajida reveals to Jaime and Carapax that Victoria was responsible for Carapax's mother's death when he was a child, leading to his life of violence. Carapax allows Jaime, Jenny, and the Reyes family to leave before he takes Victoria into the facility and self-destructs the suit, destroying all the other Omax. Jenny becomes the new CEO of Cord Industries and helps rebuild everything that Victoria damaged. The Reyes' neighbors help rebuild their house, and Jaime assumes the mantle of the new Blue Beetle. Wow, Ron, you did it again. Thank you so much for another wonderful synopsis for the show. Uh, so let's get into our respective histories for our, well, whether it be with Blue Beetle, the character, or with any of the actors or the directors. Uh, Dime, why don't you go ahead and take it away? What's your, what's your background with uh, anything to do with Blue Beetle? So, uh, so I have uh, like a little bit of background. So as far as the director, this is actually my first time seeing a movie of his, but when I looked at his filmography, he did make a movie called Charm City Kings, which Ooh, I did, which I, I did hear about. Yeah, yep, 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 and yep. I didn't see it, but I did hear about it. So that's the closest I came as far as him. And then for Blue Beetle itself, I do remember him being in uh, Young Justice. He was also a featured character in the video game in Injustice, which was cool. And that's mm. pretty much. It for as as far as Blue Beetle, so this was like a good introduction to the character, as far as like the superhero and also Hami Reyes, mm-hmm. and you know this is also a pretty stacked cast that I've mm-hmm. you know I've have some good history with. Obviously, you got Susan Zarangin, uh George Lopez, Becky G. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean you know I feel like a very you know little history with Blue Beetle, but like kind of like a good history with the cast. So that's right. you know pretty much it. 
Fantastic. Thank you so much, Dime. Uh, Ron, how about you? What's what's your uh, history with, with anything to do with Blue Beetle? I know that you're a comic book fan, so... I, I am a comic book fan. Uh, first, um, I'll, uh, I, I haven't seen anything by any of the um, behind-the-camera filmmakers. Um, I'm, uh, I'm familiar, familiar with the lead, uh, Jola Meridwinia. I, uh, I was on the Cobra Kai wagon pretty early. Um, actually, ended up falling off eventually, but uh, I, wow. did, I, I, I dug him uh, quite fan. a bit in, in the, the, the lead role. Um, George Lopez is, is basically my uncle. Um, he has as much to do with raising me as, as, as the rest of my family does. Um, you know, wait, going, going back to Latin Kings of comedy. Um, I've, 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 I've gone through everything that he's done. Um, some, some hits, even the misses. Um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah, big, big George Lopez fan. Um, but yeah, so I'm, uh, you know, it's always dangerous business, uh, at, you know like asking me to talk about comics on this podcast uh but uh <laughs> so yes i when i was a kid um my three favorite dc comics characters were uh robin the flash and blue beetle hey there it is and uh <laughs> i i was a big fan of, of of ted cord uh the the blue beetle that that existed in uh, in the 90s when i came of age and uh, but he was kind of underused, and so in uh, 2005, um, DC uh, was going to do this uh, this big mega event called uh, Infinite Crisis, and uh, the first issue that kicked it off, like he he was on the cover and he was the main character in it, and I was super excited because like it was the first time that he had been really used for a long long time. I was like, oh cool, like he's finally going to get his due, and uh, in the final moments, he gets unceremoniously murdered. Um, oh. And his murder is what kicks off um, the, the the events, and I was pissed. Um, and uh, because of that, I I actually didn't pick up uh, this iteration of Blue Beetle because I was so partially because I was salty about it, and partially because uh, you know there are uh, they they reboot comic characters pretty frequently, and um, even though yeah, for every one Miles Morales that has a lasting effect, there's uh, three dozen John Paul Valleys, and you have to be a host of Paper Keg to get that reference. So, I don't know what's going on. There. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, I, I didn't think that um, he was going to have the longevity, but um, you know what? 17 years later, he's he's still around, and that's pretty cool. So I when we decided that we were going to um, cover this a couple of months ago, I started reading, uh, start, started reading the Jaime Reyes um, um, Blue Beetle comic books and uh, yeah they're, they're they're pretty cool so I was I was pretty um stoked and also apprehensive to to see what the what they did with this thank you thank you so much Ron Guti how about you are you any, crying any histories <laughs> whoa <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh yeah so George Lopez much like Ron uh, also another deal definitely on uh <laughs> Nick late at night watching a lot of George Lopez show that, oh, was, uh, that was that was my show. jam for sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, love George Lopez. He he's kind of like the most familiar person that I know in the cast. Um, I do know uh, Adriana Barraza, who's also been in Amores Perros, and um, and oh, well, we haven't we haven't covered Babel, but Amores Perros. Um, so she, you know we're familiar with her. We've seen her before. Uh, she's been on the pod, and and she's also in Thor, which I totally forgot about, but apparently she's in Thor. And yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I haven't seen any uh, other movies from Manuel Soto. I have also heard about Charm City Kings. I wanted to watch it before recording this, but I just could not get the time. But it's definitely still going to be uh, a wow. film that I'm going to watch very, very soon. 
And uh, yeah, and of course I know, even though we don't see her here technically, we just hear her. Uh, I know Becky G. You know, I've been following her since you know the Vine days and stuff. You know, shower, wow. big hit, big hit, big hit. Love it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's my girl. Uh, so love that she's in this. But uh, yeah, that's kind of my my history with everyone. Yeah, I, I the Blue Beetle character itself until this film was announced, I really didn't know anything about, um, unfortunately. But uh, but I'm glad that I do know him now. Wow, 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 wow. All right, yeah. Uh, so for me, uh, unlike all of y'all, I actually did watch Charm City Kings. Wow, bunch of fake fans in this podcast, but mm. uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but Charm City Kings, it's uh, it's it's very well done. Very, very well done. Have small amount of gripes with just like some of the acting performances in that movie, but other than that, it's really, really well made. Um, a lot of, a lot of character coming from Angel Manuel Soto. So, uh, very good director. I have not seen his documentary for a Menudo. Menudo is um, not not the food, but Menudo is a <laughs> it was a boy band. It's a it was a boy band. Uh, you may know uh, Ricky Martin. You know he came out of Menudo. So uh, yeah, so he's got a a documentary on Menudo that I really wanted to check out. Uh, so I guess I'm a fake fan too. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, so him, uh, I got a lot of. Yeah, a lot of background with just almost all of the cast. So that uh, the one that hasn't been shouted out yet is uh, Damien Alcázar. He is fantastic in La Dictadura Perfecta and El Infierno. And uh, Que Viva Mexico is not a great movie to be honest with you, but he does he does well in his in his part for that. But uh, he's very well known for working with uh, Luis Estrada, a Mexican director. And uh, yeah, he's just a really really good actor, and I mm. really really enjoy just about all of his stuff. Um, and also Harvey Guillen, Harvey Guillen, yeah, uh, yeah uh, uh, not enough shout outs for him, but he's mm. fantastic. He's, I think, one of my favorite, um, like, comedic actors uh, mm. as of as of right now. He's hilarious in what we Puss do in Shadows. Boots. Puss in Boots he's in. He's just, he's a really great, really, really great performer. I love his stuff, and I will watch anything that he's in. He's also in Werewolves Within, and that Werewolves Within is also really fun. Um, but yeah, Harvey Guillen, fantastic, fantastic actor. Um, Gilo, we all know George Lopez. Uh, the George Lopez show is basically, I think, the best thing he's ever done. I remember uh, basically coming home after school and watching that with my brothers and my cousin, who lived with us at the time. And we watched this show so, so, so much. I'm, I, I'm pretty sure while I was watching it, like religiously, I think I had seen every single episode that ever aired. And I was like, I think I would know like all the lines that would come up right afterward. Like I, I mm-hmm. knew, I knew that show front to back. It was fantastic. Fantastic show. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, George Lopez, unfortunately, has got a lot of misses, uh, recently as of late, I would say, I mean, uh, uh, Guti was talking about why you crying. I think uh, that that stand up was basically, I think, his prime. And every stand up after that, I think, has just been like rehashing the same stuff, unfortunately. But this is not a George Lopez podcast. Um, so uh, not, this is not a George Lopez slander podcast. But, but is he is he back though? That's the question we'll answer. I don't Very know. Soon. Is he back? That's a great question, Guti. Great, fantastic question. He might be. Um, We'll get into it in this podcast. Save it for the pod, Goody. But I think, uh, yeah, I think um, he might be back. He might, he just might be back. Uh, but yeah, uh, Becky G, obviously, uh, very very famous uh, singer, and um, 
Adriana Barraza is also great. And there's also a couple of cameos in this movie, like Carlos Ponce. I don't know if y'all saw him. Uh, he was the the owner of the Bentley that... Um, that uh, uh, oh, that he landed on. That he landed on, yeah. yeah. And then the dude, <laughs> that's right. the dude that's in the background, the dude that's in the background, like, oh my gosh, my car. Uh, that's Carlos Ponce. And he is a very big telenovela star. I mean... He was like the the lead in Perro Amor, in Dos Hogares, in Santa Diabla, and he's 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 a very what I'm trying to say he's very famous. <laughs> he's very very famous, and um I can't believe they got him. And uh and also of Maria del Barrio, uh, a lot of background with that too. Um, yeah. you know, shout out Talia, you know Talia. I, I mean I don't think I don't know if uh, Maria del Barrio is my favorite Talia joint. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh yeah, it's a- absolutely uh you know it's 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 there absolutely it's it, every mexican household uh whether you like it or not it's it, it had <laughs> maria del barrio um or mari mar ow but uh anyways <laughs> um uh yeah so a lot of background with this for me uh so did Ismael like this movie? We'll find out soon enough. So those are our respective histories for uh, Blue Beetle. Now let's get down into the nitty gritty and actually talk about all these major points that we want to talk about. So uh, uh, big, big, big topic of family for this uh, movie, which is, you know, to be expected. Uh, I know that a lot of people say like, oh, everyone like loves their family. Of course, everyone loves their family. That's not what I'm saying. But um, do we? Yeah, well, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but uh, for sure, for sure, for sure, in uh, Latin culture, uh, familismo is a huge thing. It's huge, 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 huge. It's like probably, um, you know, one of the biggest things that uh, is is um, it's a cornerstone for Latin culture. You know, your family, and um, uh, you know, there's scientific studies more than others that, that like Latin people are much, much, much more um, attached to their families as uh other cultures but um so yeah it, so it's a it's a very very uh clear indication as to why this movie is about family so uh why don't we go ahead and get started who wants to go ahead and jump in and talk about uh the family aspect here in blue beetle um actually I, I'll, I'll start because i i i really really enjoyed how you know yes family is a really big part of the story but i feel like the story of blue beetle that is presented to us here is actually of the family as a unit like i think that um you know this is not just uh the blue beetle uh origin story this is like blue beetle and his whole family like not their family's origin story but you know this the origin story of blue beetle is so, like interconnected with his family like no other superhero that i've seen um you know spider-man's got his uncle ben and uh but other than that i think uh this this superhero is the one that has the most um prominent use of family of course uh you know the family comes in along for the ride i think they are uh really a beautiful family and they stick together and there's lots to say about it but I'll I'll pass on the baton uh to someone else that would like to uh speak on the 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 virtue and the the family here in Blue Beetle. Yeah, I think um <laughs> I was half expecting, you know, with all the family and stuff, I was half expecting Vin Diesel to be in the in the truck. Jesus. Uncle Jesus. At the very end. <laughs> but anyway, just, just kidding. Family. Just kidding. Uh, I mean, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
but it would be him. I didn't see any Coronas on the screen. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, anyways, no, I 100% agree with uh, what you're saying. And I think for me, at least kind of the dynamics in my family and um, how I've seen with others too is like, you know, and, and this film kind of captures is, you know, we all give each other crap all the time. Like, but at the end of the day, when, you know, when, sh- you know, when stuff hits the fan and, and the going gets tough, I think one of the great things about, um, Latinos and the families, those that are very close, uh, are fortunate to be very close. Um, you know, we always come together and we have, you know, we're very resilient. We're very resilient people. And I think what the, I think what the, the film touches upon so beautifully is kind of like the sacrifices that our family make for us. Um, but adelante, you know, to, to go forward, um, you know, and I think about that, you know, every day, like my parents coming here, uh, emigrating from Nicaragua to give me and my brother a, a better future. And I think the family does that. Or I think the film does that very, very well. I mean, one of the key standout moments for me was kind of that speech that the dad um, gives uh, Cholo kind of towards the, um, or gives Jaime um, towards the beginning, you know, about finding your purpose and stuff like that. And I thought that that speech was really beautiful and kind of touched upon how like, you know, our families, they do sacrifice a lot for us. And, and I thought it was, a, it was a beautiful moment between the both of them. And uh, it kind of made me feel good that like, you know, even his dad at, you know, 50 or whatever age that he's at, you know, he's like, you know, I'm still trying to find mine too, you know? So mm-hmm. I thought that was, that was a really nice touch there. So I, I did, I did like the family as well. I, I love the energy. They just, I mean, the love was just like oozing off the screen mm-hmm. and you can just tell that, you know, like um, Isabel Gucci were saying that, you know, they they connected very well in that, you know, they were definitely a unit. They were definitely strong together. And even, you know, they grieved together. So it's like you can see that, you know, they've been through a lot and they've always and they will always will be there. And that's what you want in your family. You want them to always be there around. And, you know, and I and I have a family just like that. Now, obviously, I didn't grow up in a in a community or had family like the Reyes, but I've, you know, had friends and also ex-girlfriends who come from this background. So I got to see, you know, firsthand mm. what this family is like. <laughs> so, so, you know, so I can at least relate to that aspect of seeing what a Latin American family is like. And it's beautiful. It, it was really touching. And I, I liked everything that I saw. Mm. Yeah. I, I think um, the, the family dynamic is, is the strongest part of the movie. Um, I think, you know, like I said, I, I started reading the comics a couple months ago in, in prep for this. And, um, the, uh, the characters are a little bit different, like particularly they're, they're a little younger. Um, all the characters are a little bit younger. Um, but, uh, like one of the things that, that struck me about the comics is that, um, when uh Jaime he's he's in high school in, in in the books and uh he wants to help his dad at the shop um to help him out and his dad says no because he wants him to have time to like you know for himself and to find his own way and like he doesn't want um like there's there's a couple moments where he talks about like all the things that he sacrificed he doesn't want his kid to have to like do the same things you know like he wants him to have a a better life which is something that you know um that uh that, that that hits me i think the there were two there were three standout moments in 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 the movie for me and the i think the one that um got me the most was um the uh 
when um when Rudy and, and Jaime were having the talk on like they're on the, the roof or something like that and like and Rudy's talking about how um you know like how much uh his his brother had sacrificed for him and mm-hmm. you know um that he says I forget what the exact line is he says something like um and this is going a little bit into the representation section but like um you know like everybody talks about how hard it is getting across the border which it is but nobody talks about how hard the 20 years after are um and that that really got me and i think that a big part of that that togetherness has to do with that like with all that you know like it's it's a community struggle um and like it goes so far as to like you know like i think one of the stand up moments was at the end too when you know they they need to rebuild and the whole like community comes to to help them out like i you know they, they did a really really good job of like showing that um whether it's as a superhero or like just like as an individual, like he's not doing anything alone. He's got so many people behind him, and that's you know, um, that was definitely like a, a successful, um, you know, they did that successfully. Yeah, and they also showed like, uh, you know, family just having fun. You know, mm-hmm. like I think like not not even like like yes, of course the 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 severity and how like you know situations can be serious, and we can always have our family to fall back on, but also just how like. They always have fun with each other, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. carrilla, carrilla, uh, 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 in English is um, what's the word? Um, it's like like light teasing, but it's like mm-hmm. all in love, you know. It's like right. love, loving teasing. That's that's what yeah. Carrilla him, is. him and Millie's back and forth was it's really really good. Absolutely yeah. fantastic. Yeah, Milagro. Uh, well, uh, the 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 actress, Belisa, Belisa Belisa Escobedo. Yeah, Belisa Absolutely fantastic performance from her. By the way, mm-hmm. I mean, like her as Milagro. Like always giving uh, Jaime just like just a little bit of little bit of carrilla here and there, you know, like to keep him grounded. But um, you know, uh, El Tío Rudy, which is uh, George Lopez, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he's hilarious and he's always making fun of him. Or like when the whole family shows up as he like tries to go and get a job. Like I think yeah. that was pretty funny <laughs> over like at Court Industries, and like that's something that like for sure could happen. Like I I can one hundred percent see it, and like they all start cheering you on. Like hi, Mick, hi, Mick. like I could see it happening, uh, easily, easily. And um, you know they're not afraid to to just like support you like in like the best possible way, you know, and like wholeheartedly and like con ganas and a hundred percent con animo. Like the like they are there for their kids. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, fantastic stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and yeah. Uh, piggyback on that kind of uh, you're talking about like you know your parents going to drop you off for the for the job and stuff like that like the whole how the grandma does the sign of the cross and stuff like I was just like you know <laughs> oh, I might dude, like that's a grandma thing but my mom my time. mom does that to me my mom does that to me okay <laughs> so like that like I was very seen with that scene uh, so I really loved that moment um, and kind of to bring it back towards the end too towards the back half of the film um, there's that moment like once they've kind of like. You know, so they've survived everything, and the Reyes are having an intimate moment, and they're all hugging, and then eventually, you know, they look over at at uh, Jenny to and invite her into the circle, and I thought that was a very powerful moment because not only is the actress Brazilian, but she they also make the character Brazilian, or they mention it throughout the in the film, mm-hmm. and a lot of the times we've talked about here how you know we have a gripe with the fact that sometimes here in the United States they do like Hispanic Heritage Month, right? That's coming up just mm-hmm. around the corner exactly. and that doesn't necessarily include brazil right um it's it really it should be called ever messed exactly. up exactly so it should be should it should be latin american heritage month um and and so i don't know bringing that 
you know, bringing her into the circle. I thought, I don't know if that's like an actual thing that Ahmed was going for, but it definitely clicked in my head when I saw it. Yeah, sure. absolutely. I would 100% like uh, co-sign that because it's 100% that that sort of like, you know, like, just like you said, you, you put it well, you know, I'm just gonna let it, I'm just gonna let it sit there. Good to put it well. I don't need to, I don't need to go any further. That's, that's, I, I, I just want to say 100% co-sign that. And I also co-sign the whole Persinos from your grandma. Like, oof, oh, yeah. the amount of it's times out. that happens, dude. Yeah. Anytime I'd have to fly back uh, to, to university before I left, always my grandma would, um, you know, she's got to do the cross, El Persino. Otherwise, right. you know, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, it's um, fantastic. Fantastic. And you know what? That's a really good segue into the representation aspect of it all, because not only um, are the actors here all representing Latin cultures, but also uh, they get it right. You know what I mean? They're they're absolutely mm. getting it right with their actions, with the way that they speak. I absolutely love that so many curse words in Spanish got through uh, <laughs> yeah. into a PG-13 movie. Just How many pinches were there in I know, that? they had pendejo, they had pinches pendejo. They had all of this stuff, and I'm sure that they didn't get cut just because they didn't have a Spanish. Like, mm-hmm. they did not have an executive that knew what was going on, right? And so, like, and I thought that was hilarious. And, um, you know, uh, yeah, it's just... Uh, Really, really great representation happening here. One thing that I would love to highlight is, of course, the inclusion of the true first Latin American superhero, Chapulín in Colorado. Uh, yeah. Absolutely <laughs> love that. El Cantinflas. Uh, digo Cantinflas, this fool. Eh, Chespirito. Chespirito and Cantinflas, the goats in uh, Mexican comedy. Uh, but anyway, sorry. Uh, Chespirito is... Uh, if you, uh, you, may ha- like, you may have not have heard of Chapulín Colorado, um, but you may have heard of Chavo del Ocho, and if you have not heard of either one, that's fine. But but, um, but Chavo del Ocho is like his main bread and butter, right? But Chapulín Colorado is absolutely outstanding. I cannot believe that they, uh, you know, they, that, that they brought him on, you know, because uh, I was going to make a joke uh, in my um, letterbox review or like before I even saw the movie that like, you know, this is not actually the real first Latin American superhero. The, the first one's actually Chapulín Colorado. Um, and uh and then they put it in the movie. And I'm just like, oh, yes. Like, this is fantastic. Um, at first, I thought, like, they just called the machine Chapolin. And I was like, oh, well, that's nice because it's red and yellow. You know, like, it's like a blink and you'll miss it kind of thing if you know, you know. But no, they, like, like put it up on screen explicitly, Chapolin Colorado. No contaron con mi astucia. Like, it's it's fantastic. It's really fantastic. I really love that. Um, but, yeah, let, let's uh, let's continue on this train for, for the representation. Um, uh, whoever wants to take it. Go ahead. So the, Go, so the next movie, they're going to have Santo, right? They must. Right. They must <laughs> have Santo. Yeah. Was Rudy yeah, wearing a Santo up. shirt? I don't think I don't, so. I, don't I, I watched it for the second time, but uh, I, I did not see him wearing I a Santo I couldn't tell. Shirt. He definitely had luchas on his shirt, but I he couldn't did. tell if it was Santo or not. Yeah, and I don't know. He did have a lucha libre shirt, but I don't think it was uh, Santo, Santo, because Santo. El enmascarado de plata, you know, that has to be the, the, the silver mask, but I don't think there was a silver mask. It was like blue and green and yellow and... um. But yeah, yeah, I, I, it's, um, yeah, maybe the next one will have Santo, you know, like it's, uh, cause Santo's <laughs> insane. Know. Like those movies are crazy. And, uh, uh, Ron and I want to go watch that with Yoli and, um, you know, Ron still has not logged that in the letterbox, which oh, is insane, but <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I can't believe it, but you know, we, we're here and we're, we're living, but, um, but yeah, I mean the, the, the the representation here is insane or mariela del barrio oh my goodness i I think i talked about it earlier in the episode too but you know she's everywhere she like talia is uh the telenovela queen you know like she's in all the biggest ones and um you know they they brought her up straight up and like if you know you know it's, it's like it's that kind of thing where i'm really glad 
that they had it there. Right. And they didn't yeah. have to like over explain it. Like you but you could understand mm-hmm. you can understand that it's a thing if you're not in it. But like if you're in it, you get it. But yeah. if you're not in it, you well, also understand it. Well, okay, you know so I mean? some something I, I wanted to ask you guys about well. too is like it's when as uh as the lights were coming up and, and, and people were leaving, um, you know, like I, I clocked a lot of references, but my wife, um, she asked me, is like, so how much of it is like, like real and how much of it is like, like checking reference boxes, you know? Cause like, like when the VIX popped up, I immediately thought of Ismail, mm-hmm. like, you know, and like a lot yeah. of it rang true to me, <laughs> oh, but, like, yeah. Um, yeah. but you know, yeah, like I, I couldn't tell how much, well, I shouldn't say I couldn't tell. It definitely felt like the filmmakers were like, you know, it was, it was like a nod to, you know, like his people um, rather than just like trying to mm-hmm. check boxes. But like, mm-hmm. I could see where, you know, like someone might, might think something like that. So what, what did you guys think about stuff like that? Uh, so yeah, there's a, I mean, there's a couple things, I guess, in there where it kind of seemed like checking boxes. Um, so <laughs> This kind of goes. I don't. I don't want to go too far ahead because I know we're going to talk about it later on. Uh, mm-hmm. But like, kind of like the School of Americas. Even though I thought that was a great touch, mm-hmm. like I wish they would have brought it up earlier, or at least like kind of explained it a little bit more. Uh, I think it's enough, but just because it's at the very tail end, it kind of seems like they just like ham-fisted it in there last minute. Um, anyways, um, but yeah, there. I mean, there's the, like the vaporu, like that's a hundred percent a thing, like that, like no latino going into that you know watching it wouldn't be like holy shit like that that joke was a hilarious and most of the people that i've found like on the internet or whatever unfortunately who did not think that the joke was hilarious uh have never kind of you know lived with latin family i guess i don't know but uh but yeah what I'm, i guess what i'm basically trying to say is uh a lot of it i did catch um as someone who grew up as a latin american family and it didn't feel too checkboxed but there are a couple of things like i mentioned with the villain that i felt mm. uh were a little bit checkboxed mm. i feel like the checkbox thing was actually from the big thing like i oh, yeah, it, it is a thing a 100 percent is a thing but i feel like oh my gosh like I, I don't know i think it's like a thing that it's like on the surface sort of thing you know like if you're if you're getting into it then this is like mm-hmm. one of the first things that you'll see because it's so prevalent because it's so real like I understand why they would have that there because it is like so far reaching and so true. But I feel like I'm just like, man, I don't know if we needed that. That like that's when like for me is when it's starting to get like a little bit like, oh man, I don't know if we needed that. Like that one, the fact that George Lopez calls his Tacoma the taco. taco. <laughs> the taco yeah, I don't know if I like that, but I was like, you know what? I get it. You know, I get it. So like I for me, I feel like at certain points it was like pandering just a little bit. But then I was like, you know what? It's, you know, it's our first Latin American superhero in the big screen, mm-hmm. at least with this type of budget and this type of, like, yeah. um, exposure. So, like, I also get it. You know, I get why they want to put it all in there because it's the first one. I don't know how it's going to do the box office. So, mm-hmm. like, it's also, like, this is what we have. And we got to put everything that we can in this first one because yeah. who knows if we're going to get another one. Um, we got Bitty Bitty Bomb Bomb in there. so We did get Bitty Bitty yeah. Bomb Bomb in there. Yeah. So, like, you know, <laughs> Selena, Selena does show up. Uh, and there's a whole lot of other things that, uh, mm-hmm. I, which is actually part of the the representation. So, I'll just I'll just um, mesh it in there with, um, with uh, I'll talk about it a little bit later, but about the songs. But, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. So, I feel like there was, like, a certain sort of, like, like, okay, you don't really have to go that far. We get it sort of thing. But I feel like those are the things that are, like, more surface level. Like, for example, the whole thing about, like, Las Cuales de las Americas, I agree, Guti. I hope that, I really mm-hmm. wish that they had put more into it. 
but I'm so glad that they put it there in the first place. You know what I mean? Because yeah. that's something that not pe- not many people know about, right? Like I feel like a whole lot more people know about the Vix Vaporub thing than they know about La Escuela de las Americas or Escuela de los Asesinos, as some people right. will, would put it. Um, so it's like, for me, th- what I'm trying to say here is that I, for me, it's like a little bit mixed because like I yeah. think um, they could have definitely not done a lot of the things that I think are like too surface level. But at the same time, I get why they did it. So I don't know. I'm just, yeah. I'm just a little mixed on it. But yeah, I, I do, I do love a lot of what they put here. A lot of yeah, it. yeah. And and to be honest, like even when I'm I'm giving that you know critique there, how much of it is Angel and the writer's choice? Who knows? Because yeah. again, this is a big budget studio film. Uh, you know, they could have gone to a studio executive. And granted, they got a lot of stuff in there, right? They I'm did. Not saying that they they didn't got get away so with a lot of stuff. In there. But there could be things where, you know, someone would be like, hey, listen, uh, we know that reference. You can make it, but don't expand on it. You know? mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. again, it's kind of one of those things, but you got to, I guess you got to critique what's in front of you. Yeah, you, know? you do. And I also really love the, the choice of um, having Nana Reyes, uh, Adriana Barraza's <laughs> character, she, I think she only speaks Spanish in the whole movie. I'm not <laughs> sure. Like, I think that's the only language she speaks, which I think is amazing. And I really wish that they would have done the same with uh, Damien Alcázar, uh, his his <laughs> character, the the father, uh, Alberto Reyes or Beto Beto Reyes. Um, like, I really wish that they would have let him also do that. But I mm-hmm. know that they were not going to allow that to happen. Yeah. Because, again, studio interference. I'm pretty sure Angel Manuel Soto would want it to be 100% Spanish mm-hmm. because that's the way that it really is. Um, I know that other there's like real truth that there are other parents that do like speak Spanish to, they will speak English to their kids, even though that they're the first generation into the, into the country. I know it's a thing, but I doubt that it's as much of a thing as speaking only Spanish at home. So, you know. Yeah. Things here and there. I understand why they didn't, but like exactly. I would have liked, particularly actually from Jaime, like I, I would have liked more Spanglish from him, like Absolutely. like when he, like uh, particularly in the um the first part where like the um the suit like gets on him and he's mm-hmm. all flying around like yelling at it, like I feel like it would have been a little bit more realistic to have him you know code Cur- switching yeah, a bit more code switch mm-hmm. or curse in Spanish because you know it's yeah. like. It's the language that you curse in is almost like always the language that you were born <laughs> right, with. Yeah, and I get I get this like all the time, but I I unfortunately I curse a lot and uh, first of uh, all I curse a lot just in in general yeah. not good, but I curse a lot in Spanish sometimes and yeah. uh, thankfully I'm in a space that sometimes they don't understand yeah. me, but it's just that's that. what yeah. yeah Liz says that's when like my Mexican really comes out is when I drive because that's when I like I like you call it a steady stream in Spanish. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, Sorry, Dime. I think we're. I feel yeah, like we're that's I was. I was about to. I was about to bring in Dime into the in the equation because, um, you know, we're talking a lot about like the the Latin representation here, but like, what are you? What are you seeing uh, as someone that maybe that like did not grow up in like a Latin household, but like you know has seen it from the outside in, and um, what like what was your experience watching this movie? It. Uh, I mean, I don't know as far as like how accurate it was, but it did feel pretty real. Mm. You know, for everything I was seeing. Uh, like one scene in particular is so after Hami comes back, uh, it, like he crashes through the roof again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I like I forgot who was who said I think it was Nani, but she somebody said like you know him be possessed by the devil, and I just feel like that oh, was yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like that's something that I would feel like someone in that household or family would say mm-hmm. if you're watching 
someone that you love just completely get absorbed into this suit and then just fly off. <laughs> His eyes turning yellow too. Oh yeah, my yeah, god, yeah. so scary. <laughs> yeah. So so that you know so that uh felt pretty real. I mean every and then also just like the whole dynamics with uh, with all the characters, uh, especially there's the one moment. When uh, so we find out that you know Hami is the first of the family to go to college and graduate, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's pretty accurate to you know this this sort of family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of you know people who are probably the first of their family to go to college and be able to have that ticket to Present. you know go wherever and you know do whatever with this degree. Unfortunately, it doesn't, you know, pan out for him the way we wanted to. But mm-hmm. it's the fact that, you know, it's so it's shown on the big screen. So, you know, other people can relate to that in a way. And also, too, when he goes, when Hami goes to uh, the headquarters, not headquarters, but the core industries yeah, yeah, building. Yeah. And he's talking to that uh, the white woman at the desk. Oh, that ninja. keeps on calling her Jamie? Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I was just like, "Wow," because mm-hmm. I'm because you know it might reminded me of people who are named Jorge, but they're called mm-hmm. George. Oh, and- I that boils my blood, dime. <laughs> it boils my blood to no end. You don't understand how, just how much I hate that. Or when they mm-hmm. add an H to my name, Ishmael. Like I, mm-hmm. I don't know where you're coming. I don't know where that's coming from. But like it's, it happens. It happens. But yeah. yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, dime. Yeah. So, so a lot of that felt pretty real to me. Now, like I said, as far as how accurate it is. You know, I, I can't say, but if it, it did feel pretty real. I did feel connected in a way that it's being, that it is representing like a large community in the, in the Latin American community that, that they're telling this story and showing these dynamics of all these characters. Oh, and also when, uh, when they, when the family discusses about Hami having that, um, scarab in his back and then Rudy is saying, uh, what do you think they're going to do with this Mexican kid that has this military mm-hmm. tech? Oh, yeah. And then they're going to yeah. come back. Mm-hmm. And then whatever happens when they come back, they're going to come back and find us. And then we find out that the dad and Nani are um, are undocumented. undocumented. Yeah. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So then that felt pretty real. So also, like, things like that, I was like, okay, cool. They're like, they are. It did feel like they were checking off boxes, but in a way to make it relatable to a lot of mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So can I can I actually say something about that? That like the the one one of the the sequences that that really really got me. Like I was really really surprised at how much it got me was the raid on the house. Oh um, my god! What, it was like an be, ice raid, dude. It was insane. Yes. Yeah. Because like I'm like and a, you know like a a lot of people are going to go and see this movie and it's it's just going to be an action sequence in a superhero movie to them and like and i get that and that's that that's fine and like i don't always want to be like the guy that points out like all the you know the the immigration law stuff and everything but like but i i was sitting there's like this like this exact thing is reality for so many people mm-hmm. yep. and and the you know the the fact that they like they did it like to a t in a in a in a superhero movie like this, I don't like. I feel like it's going to go over a lot of people's heads, but like, yeah, like they did it so so well, and like I like, like I don't know what was going on with me, but like my you know like I was you know my my blood pressure and my body temperature like went up. Like it, they did such a good job of of showing that, um, and it like, yeah, like I just it blew me away that that they included something like that in in a movie like this with this. In a mainstream movie like this with this target audience, I like I couldn't believe it. 
Yeah, yeah I think I, what a lot of ahead, people. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, what I guess. Oh, what I think also a lot of people miss, and like they they even say it in the movie. It's like any day this could happen. Like everything could be taken away. You know, like mm-hmm. that's that's a reality for a lot of people that come to this country. And you know, at the top of the episode, we talked about you know how people are <clears throat> about what's happening in Nicaragua and people that are immigrating here to the states or other countries um, because of the situation there. And that's that's the reality for a lot of people in Central America. Um, and, you know, um, unfortunately, mm-hmm. you know, even though for some it may seem like, oh, here we go again, right? Like, really, we're going to we're gonna talk about this again or whatever. Um, it's still something that happens every day. And obviously, because of the fact that it happens every single day, we still need to talk about it. Um, and, you know, it's a human rights violation. And, um, you know, we should work towards that. So, like Ron said, I'm really glad they're able to stick that into a, a, a big budget film like this. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, and they also highlight it even like like by name. They and again, I think this might be a studio interference, but um, you know the la abuela she says something to the to the lines of like like oh like when when George Lopez says like oh they're gonna come in and they're gonna get him because he's like a Mexican kid with like this military weapon as Dime pointed out, and um in that scene, uh you can hear the grandma say in the background they don't translate it because everyone's talking over each other, but mm-hmm. she says like something along the lines of like oh como los sicarios de mexico like the sicarios from uh in mm-hmm. in mexico and then and then she says um pero que no es lo que nos estamos huyendo de allá por eso like y nos está pasando aquí which is which she's basically saying like that's exactly why we're leaving and now it's still happening here is basically what she was saying yep. and i was like yo like this is this is <laughs> this is they're going for it you know like like Ankel like really getting as much as he can with the Spanish language without the executives knowing what he's saying, because like, <laughs> Oh my God, like, I can't believe that. Like they, they, they touch on that and they say that like that explicitly. It's so, so well done. Like I, yeah, hats off, hats off to, okay. He does, he does a fantastic job with that. Um, and, uh, I guess the last point in terms of, of like the representation and the actors here was, um, uh, that I wanted to talk, touch on was like, all the actors themselves uh who who are in in the cast uh george lopez i think is like obviously the biggest uh name mm-hmm. uh in that us latinos would know of um and um he's he's actually surprisingly good in this i really had low low expectations <laughs> about what george lopez was going to be uh delivering just because of like all of his recent material and stuff like that but he does a really fantastic job and i don't think like mm-hmm. i think he elevates the movie so well but he doesn't like try and steal the show either. Like he does mm-hmm. such a good job of like bringing the comedy, knowing when he's needed and then like giving it right back to like the main characters and stuff. Um, or knowing like he has really great comedic timing in this. And I'm really, really glad that they, they casted him. There were talks that maybe Carlos Vallarta was going to be in it. Carlos Vallarta is a very famous, very funny, uh, Mexican comic. Um, and he's hilarious, but he was not cast. But um, you know what could have been. Uh, but yeah, he's he's fantastic. George Lopez does a great job. Um, Harvey Guillen, uh, he's mm-hmm. again, like I said, I I think that unfortunately he's severely underused. He's mm-hmm. so funny just just as an actor, and they only really have him for one big punchline. Um, but other than that, like. You know, he doesn't yeah. really get as much to do in this movie as I really hope that he would have. Uh, but he gets a moment, though. He gets a pretty good he moment. He gets a great moment, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and uh, it's, yeah. it's about, again, it's about the names. Like, that's not my name. <laughs> like, say, <Yeah. laughs> like, which is, uh, you know, yeah. really well done. And um, 
Yeah, like Harvey. Harvey does a great job. Belisa Escobedas mm-hmm. Milagro. I don't think I've ever seen her in anything, and she is fantastic in this. Mm-hmm. She's really great at like, the comedic timing as well. Go ahead, dude. That one, that one sequence when when uh, Jaime's coming down from the the escalators or whatever, he's like, "Oh, this is all I could get you," and it's like it's a boy balloon or whatever, dude. Oh, that yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 that was really funny. Mm-hmm. That was really good. That was really good. Uh, but yeah, their, their banter the entire time is literally. It reminded me of my brother. That's why you know I mentioned earlier, yeah. like yeah. we always talk about mm-hmm. each other. But at the end of the day, we'll come. You know, we'll come together if uh, yeah, needed. But always, yeah, always, always, yeah. It's yeah, it's really well done. Mm-hmm. And Becky G, Becky G mm-hmm. as as a uh, as our Kajida. Or I think mm-hmm. I said it right, but you know, yeah, really well done. Really, really mm-hmm. well done with uh, Apedia Carrillo too. Like. Oh yeah. She un- unfortunately like because of the cast was so big, like, you know, they um they didn't get to flesh out as many characters. I would have liked mm-hmm. more for for his parents, but um as as a very very big Predator fan, it was really cool seeing her in <laughs> a, in a prominent role. And yeah. one, you know, yeah, like seeing, you know, like the um seeing his mom and grandma get to kick a little bit of ass at the uh, at the end of the movie was was really cool. Mhm. <laughs> yeah and also raul trujillo raul trujillo is uh he plays carapax the one of the villains in this movie um and you know he's just a really great actor he was in sicario he was in apocalypto he's now here in blue beetle um and just about everything he ever does he does a fantastic job and i think this is no exception like he is fantastic in this i really think that he um uh he stretches like what he can do with the character with like you know unfortunately with like he doesn't really get to do much but the mm-hmm. what he does get to do he does fantastically well mm-hmm. I, I really really enjoyed his um really enjoyed his his uh his performance here so yeah yeah what'd you guys think of Sholo? Sholo was amazing i think Sholo, i think like his his uh youthful uh performance is really well done I think he his comedic time is also really well done as well. Uh, I just think, uh, yeah, I think he's great, but I think I'm talking too much. So, uh, Dime, what do you think about Cholo? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he's great. I mean, I think everybody was great. I was a little skeptical too on George Lopez because when I heard about the casting, I was like, oh, what are they? What are they doing? What are they going with this? <laughs> <laughs> but but it works. I mean, like you said, it works. Um, I mean, especially too when he. <laughs> When when Hami and Jenny return with his truck and is all like shot up, <laughs> and you just you just hear him out in the back just yeah losing his mind. yeah. <laughs> oh, well, when he throws I, his boot at him and he's like, "I'll uh, show you," but he's like, "Whoa, what are you doing?" He's like, "Hey man, I thought se le va a salir las chingaderas or something." Like, yeah, I thought it was really funny, really well done. Yeah, yeah. and it's like I I started a new list on Letterbox where I'm adding movies that has cars that I want. And, oh nice yeah. and, nice. And, uh, dude and the, the trick that Tacoma yeah uh, yeah that's that, it's been added to the list so because <laughs> the, mo- the moment I saw it uh, uh, when he first rolls up I was like mm. I need that truck I yeah. I just need to just drive around I, I mean I could just do a road trip just to do a road <laughs> trip because I just need that truck but yeah I mean no but everybody's great I I mean and I think I was the only one in my theater laughing at a lot of scenes mm. because I mean, granted, I saw it like one in the afternoon, so it wasn't that many people. Mm. But I also felt like I well, I did see some people that were going in, and there wasn't like a lot of people of color. So maybe oh. it was like maybe a lot of the comedy went over their head because I was yeah. cracking up. Yeah. I, I, was, I was having a good, I was having a good time. So, <laughs> uh, but I mean, there's not I can't really think of one bad thing with all the characters because I think everybody did this, such an amazing job. Mm. So so yeah, I was I was happy with it. Mm. Good. 
Goody, what about you? Any any comments um, on any of the uh, or on Cholo, <laughs> our our main character too? Anyone? Uh, I mean, I thought Cholo was was great. Uh, I I could see though because so my brother, uh, bless his soul, do not agree with him. He's not a fan of the of spider-man because he thinks what spider-man's pretty white dude i'm telling you uh, i'm telling you he <laughs> thinks he's super whiny and so oca- occasionally like he's a teenager bro i know i know i know i know, I know. i'm just saying okay i don't say i don't i'm not saying that, i'm just saying so the only thing i could really kind of say even though like cholo is you know well he's a college graduate so but it, mm-hmm. there, occasionally there's times where when i was watching this you know just with the screaming and whatever and like not trying to you know him trying to figure things out occasionally got like a little bit too much to the point where i was just like all right dude if my brother was watching this he would definitely like (laughs) (laughs) so i don't know if other people are going to have that reaction i didn't mind it too much but i thought it'd be worth kind of kind of noting that um you know maybe that might be one little you know gripe with his performance but i think i mean uh, supposedly allegedly um James Gunn says that he's going to continue on in the DCU and the DCEU. But uh, we've seen that story play out before, not with him specifically. Well, actually, with him specifically there. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Don't hold your breath. I hope to God he's not lying. But anyways, besides that point, um, besides that one, the other uh, character that I kind of wanted to talk about um, were the two villains. Um, Mm -hmm. I will be honest. I did not like Susan Sarandon's performance at all. Wow. Um, she's a great actress, don't get me wrong. Uh, and I don't know if it's her performance or maybe it's, you know, just kind of the writing, but I didn't think, like, her background was fleshed out enough. Mm. Like, I know that they were going for the metaphor of, like, oh, the white American imperialism. Like, trust me, I get it. Um, but for me, I just didn't think that she was given enough to make her kind of more of a three-dimensional character. I think she's like pretty one-dimensional. She was just like the baddie, you know, like she's white, she's the baddie or whatever. Um, so if the character was going to be like that and they wouldn't have enough time to kind of like flesh her out, I wish they would have like given her like some sort of quirk or something like, I don't know, like an evil eye patch or something. I, I mean, that's <laughs> cheesy, but you know what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think that's, that's the only thing I kind of had. And then, you know, we already touched about uh, I already t- talked about Carapax, where I wish they would have just fleshed that out mm. even more. But again, you know, in the studio. But I think the Susan Saradon character, I think that that definitely um, was, if anything, a negative for me in this film. Um, mm. Yeah, I can agree with that, too. I, I I felt that as well. It felt very weak. It didn't really... It, it did feel like they were trying to beat you over the head with her being white, trying to, you know, strip things from like the Atlanta uh, mm-hmm. American community. So it did. Yeah, it did feel a little weak. Um, plus, I was also surprised that, you know, they got her, you know, mm-hmm. you know out of all. Yeah, I was too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that like she agreed to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I, I think, yeah, as far as like weaker performances, she definitely is on the top of that list because mm-hmm. I didn't really get much out of her either. I don't I maybe maybe like you said, maybe it was the writing. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was her acting. Maybe it was a little bit of both. But yeah, I don't think it worked as well as they hoped it would have. Mm. Can I actually disagree respectfully? No. I totally I totally get and, and respect your guys' opinions. Um, but actually, it, it worked for me. Um, I uh, The way I was looking at it was like, one, like as much as I love a complex villain, um, I liked that she was just kind of like just bad. Um, I actually And I liked that agree. it was kind of hammy. 
Yeah. Like it kind of reminded me of like, like old, like nineties movies. Um, and, uh, and also kind of like the flip side of that, like how many movies like that are like where the villain is like a, like vaguely Latino or vaguely Middle Eastern or or whatever bad guy mm-hmm. that they don't flesh out. So it was kind of nice to like have it be be turn the tables a, a yeah. little bit, you know. <laughs> yeah. So like I totally get get what you guys are saying, but um yeah, like I I, I kind of dug it. Like I you know it, it was kind of fun for me. Yeah, I also I I agree with Ron. Like I I think uh, I thought it was awesome that she was just like bad, <laughs> you know, like villain straight up not good. And I was like, all right, cool. Like it like no. No, like, oh, this is the actual reason why, like, the reason why that she's so bad is because of this actual reason, and and you need to sympathize with her. I was like, nah, she's doing some pretty bad stuff. <laughs> so, like, I I just thought, uh, I just thought it was pretty cool too. I thought it was. I mean, nice if you put it like that, if you put it like that, obviously, like, you know, it's gonna be bad. I'm not saying like you gotta give me like a narrator and just like, oh, you know, speak, you know, <laughs> right, just right. basically speak the script, but at least like. I don't know, give me some visual signals or something, or even in her performance, yeah. at least in my, you know, in my opinion. But yeah, yeah I get you. Yeah. I'm not saying yeah. you guys are wrong by any means. Like, yeah, I mean, me yeah, neither. there was a lot, there was cliche about it, but right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. yeah, she was very cliche. I, I do have to say that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, those are, uh, uh, great, great acting, acting performances here. And, um, uh, but since we're here, we're already with the antagonist stuff. We can also talk about, um, La Escuela de las Americas if we want to, um, you know, I early in this in this episode, I also agreed with with Guti saying that, like, I just wish that they would have provided more context about what La Escuela de las Americas or La Escuela de los Asesinos is. Um, but it's basically a U- U.S. backed uh, military school in Latin America that bred a lot of dictators in Latin America. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. like, it's just um, that's like the the spark notes of it all there's a whole lot of more information <laughs> that if you want to get into um it's pre- and please do please do please really please look it up it's insane like it's really really truly insane and uh no one ever talks about it like ever 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 um and i i think that no one ever talks about it or at least like it's not like focused on it all i think it's just because it's still running you know okay. so it's like uh it's kind of crazy that like this uh um it, I don't know. Like, I cannot believe that they actually brought in Las Colas Americas. I really wish that they would have uh, gone way more into it. And again, I think I'm going to give Ankel the benefit of the doubt. I'm pretty sure that this was like studio interference because the very fact that they even bring it up in the first place at all makes me think like this was on the forefront of their mind of how they wanted like to present these villains. And unfortunately, they just didn't have whether it be the permission or the time or resources to really get into uh, what actually entailed for that uh, run is uh, out and he will be back soon. Oh, <laughs> like his, his computer crashed. <laughs> um, he said his computer, so he'll, he'll be back very soon, but um, I'll just keep on going. So no one stop recording. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, what I wanted to say is that like, I can't believe that they even brought it up in the first place. And I just wish that they would have gone way deeper into it so uh guti what do, you, what do you think about this whole about the antagonist but specifically about las Escuela de las americas i know that you brought it up in the historical context as well uh yeah no i 100 percent agree with you it's it's something that's not talked about it's definitely you know why it's not talked about because it's uh basically it's sp- <laughs> shines a bad spotlight on the united Hugely states that's why it's not bad spotlight. that's why that's that's why it's not brought up uh that's why you don't you know, read about it in your U.S. history books when you're in, 
you know, high school, college, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think this is important. That's why, personally for me, you know, if I see something in a film because I'm a nerd, uh, I'm, I'm going to go look it up, right, and learn about it. Um, mm -hmm. But hopefully here, by us bringing it up, people will go and search and find information on these. I know that I gave Ron a couple links that he can use and put in the show notes to, to kind of help and guide people to some of that information. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's incredibly scary. And the fact that it's still running is absolutely ridiculous. I know that there's a lot of Latin American countries that are no longer sending, um, you know, police soldiers, et cetera, there to the school. Um, but mm -hmm. there's still a lot of Latin American countries that are. Um, so you know, it's worth discussing and, and, and making sure that, you know, we educate ourselves. And this is, I mean, this is why you should always study both sides of the history because, you know, sometimes there's history that's hidden um, because it wasn't necessarily the victor uh, in, in that side of the history. You know, they usually say, you know, history is written by the victors. Um, mm -hmm. But if you search uh, enough, especially with uh, Google and, and that stuff, you know, Google and all the different uh, essential tools that we have nowadays, uh, you can learn quite a bit that uh, you were not taught. So, mm -hmm. yeah, very important. So we yeah, highly, sure. highly recommend. Sorry, go ahead, Dime. <laughs> I was just going to chime in to say, yeah, I agree with that. You know, definitely educate yourself because mm -hmm. you know there's a lot of important things that have gone on in this world. So yeah, definitely, definitely look into it. Yeah, it's um, it's absolutely insane. Just like what went on there what goes on in there and the type of things that are taught in there but this is not a political podcast as we say just about every week at this point but um yeah it's uh it's pretty insane absolutely absolutely insane um so yeah that i think that was uh something i want to talk about and then the last thing that i wanted to talk about at least was the absolute banging soundtrack that they have here because oh my goodness i could not believe just how many needle drops they had here of just and and how perfectly placed they were. Some that I didn't like, but so many that I loved. Like having Calle Treces Atrévete, te, te, yeah. like right at the beginning. <laughs> oh my god, Ron, Banger, I, Ron, producer, please put 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 Atrévete right now. I mean, listen to that clarinet. It's so good. Like, I, I, it's easily one of my favorite songs of all time. And as soon as I heard it, uh, I was with Jackie, and Jackie and I were just jamming. We were dancing and jamming with each other. I just could not believe that they had that there. Um, and they have just a bunch of great needles. They also had La Chona by Los, Los Tucanos yeah. de Tijuana. They had uh, Será Que No Me Amas by Luis Miguel when he's, like, at the infinity pool. Uh, they had El Rey by Vicente Fernandez oh, when they're yeah. on the when they're in the <laughs> one on their table, uh, like looking at the Beatle for the first time. Uh, they had Cumbia Sampuesana by Celso Piña. They had Biri Biri Bam Bam by Selena. Uh, when are we going to do the Selena episode? Who knows? Mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we got to look into that. Um, uh, but yeah, the Cypress Hill needle drop with uh, we ain't gonna, we ain't go, blah, 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 with We Ain't Going Out Like That. Oh my goodness. For those of you that don't know, Cypress Hill 
uh, led by Be Real, is uh, Mexican American, and like it's a great needle drop that they had there for Cypress Hill. Uh, I just, I just think that they did a fantastic job with that. I, I, the one needle drop I did not really like, but I understand one hundred percent why it was there, was the Motley Crue uh, needle drop, which was uh, mm. like the big fight when they're in the Beetle and they're like, um, George Lopez is navigating it and they're just like trying to trying to fight off everybody in while they're in the Beatle. Mm. I get why they had Motley Crue and it's pretty sure it's because it was like a song chosen by the original blue Beatle. I forget, Ted, his name's Ted, right? So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, the, the, the second one. The second yeah. The se- yeah. So, so he, um, so they, they do a Motley Crue, uh, needle, which is fine. I understand why it's there. I get it. But I think it would have been, elevated to like a thousand if uh they had like george lopez's character who's already a computer whiz like hack in and put his own music and then they would have put like a rage against the machine song oh my gosh like like I think Bulls on Parade would have been a fantastic song. He's already all about like the government being like kind of crazy, and um, you know he's a Chicano in the in the and then like uh, uh, um, oh, what am I saying? I'm losing my train of thought here as I speak. Um, you're you're bashing Motley Crue. No, yeah, yeah, I was bashing Martin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, but uh, but uh, what I was trying to say is that the reason why I think Rage Against the Machine would have been a fantastic. Uh, needle drop is because also just like uh, Cypress Hill has a Latin American uh, front person with Be Real. Uh, many people don't know this, but Rage Against the Machine with Zach de la Roca, Zach de la Roca, he's also Mexican American, and uh, he's a fantastic performer uh, with Rage Against the Machine. So it would have been and like it meshes a hundred percent well with the character of George Lopez's character here of uh, Rudy. So yeah, I I don't know why they didn't do it, and I really wish they would have done it. But um, yeah, it is what it is. Um, thoughts on the music, y'all? Thoughts on the music on the soundtrack? Uh, do they need to go back and re-edit the movie now to to add these new songs? I believe so. I believe so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Make sure since Anke listens to the podcast, as soon as this episode drops, go to the movie theater next week and you'll see the updated version. Yeah, so. that's, that's right. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, yeah I just wish that they would have done that. Um. But also the the compositions, uh, like I thought that was very a really good um, mm. music being written here. Um, the composer here is uh, uh, let me actually check because I did not check while uh, cut this out. Wrong. Bobby Krillick, Bobby, my boy, Bobby Krillick. Yeah, I mean the I think the the composition here was really really well done. Bobby Krillick, uh, you may have heard his stuff with um, Midsommar. He wrote for Midsommar. Uh, also wrote for Bo's Afraid, so Ari Aster's homie. But, um, Overrated. Oh. Yeah. Wow, okay. <laughs> yeah, this is not a <laughs> Bo's Afraid podcast, but um, he also wrote uh, for Beef, Beef the, the TV show. Great show. But um, anyways, this is not a Bobby Krillick podcast. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think, I think the music that was written was phenomenal. I really thought it was really good, really well made. Love the synths. I love the the way that it just like meshed so so well with the world that was being built. So yeah, 
I mean, I think it was fantastic. Fantastic yeah. piece of music. Yeah, that Blue Beetle theme or score, because I think they play it in the beginning during the opening credits. Oh, they do. They yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that that sounded sweet. That was that was nice because it, it it did like blend very well mm-hmm. with everything that you're seeing. So that that was nice. Yeah, and the uh, the soundtrack is banging. I, I I was grooving in my seat too. I had a good time. Heck yeah, bro! <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of that opening credit scene, I mean, fantastic visual direction by Angel Manuel Soto because I feel like you got so much information just on that opening sequence of like the title the title sequence with the amazing music, but it's all just shown like shot, like shots coming in and out of just background about what the beetle is, how it got there. Um, you know, just lots of different, lots of different, uh, story beats that you get just from the intro and you don't really need much else, right? Like they, it's very effective in the way that it's presented and it's just done. I think, I think it's done fantastically. So yeah, really, really great stuff. Really, really great stuff in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I'm. I'm, I'm crazy here because you know we've talked about this before. Uh, you know, sometimes the CGI, you know, in the last, I don't know, the last few years is mm. it's gotten rocky for me, um, mm. especially in you know the MCU um, and the DC EU DCU. I don't. I don't know. I'm sorry, folks. I forgot. <laughs> um, but. The, yeah, like I, the CGI is kind of something that always kind of takes me away from the film um, that I'm watching, especially, you know, more recently with the releases that I've watched. And uh, for whatever reason, I, I don't know, you know, here I, I felt like the CGI was really well done. And mm-hmm. I know I did see that they like Jaime's suit uh, as much as they could. They basically had him wear like a practical suit. Wow. Um, so I don't know if that kind of helped, you know, Hey, practical effects are good people. Uh, hmm. listen up. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I, I really felt like the CGI was really done, was done well here. So I, I just want to throw that out there because typically that's like something that, that really takes me out of the experience with these films, uh, yeah. more recently and, and, you know, wanted to make sure I gave them their, their due. Yeah. And yeah, I, how about that? Tr- Sorry, go, go ahead, Dave. Go ahead. Oh yeah. I was going to say, I, I agree with that too. Cause I, because I think that's like, I guess the problem too with superhero movies that they rely so heavily on CGI and mm-hmm. like the use of practical effects aren't there as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, yeah, I agree. I think the CGI was well done, you know, especially with a lot of the uh, the action sequences. I think they did a good job. But this is, there are some times where, her, yeah, the CGI is like a little questionable. Yeah, or just <laughs> say, it. Seems, say it, say it, say it. Just, you got to live your truth, like, bro. Yeah, it's just like, you know, what I'm seeing doesn't make sense. I'm not believing it. Like, I just can't buy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there's that. Yeah, I'm not saying it's perfect but by far. But at least from what I've seen in the past, like, I thought at least it was like a marginal, you know, improvement. Um, so, but, but yeah, no. Uh, it, uh, also, how have we not talked about the scene with his, with his dad? Oh my god! I have it in my notes here. (laughs) Listen, I have it in my notes. It was gonna be just like a final thought for me, but since we're on here, that (laughs) Macario homage is so friggin' sick. I loved it so much. Like, well, first of all, when the the grandma's like just like perusing through the channels of the TV at the very beginning, right? 
you see Macario when I'm like, oh my God, Macario's right there. And it's like a visual representation. So like the audience knows that it's going to come up because if you don't put it there, then people are going to be like, oh, where's that from? Uh, so they have it on the TV. But like, oh my gosh, that Macario is so great. And then they also have Kronos. Kronos on the TV. when like So that was really great. And the fact that Kronos is like this, it almost looks like the Blue Beetle, but just golden. And that, right. like, um, it's not a Kronos podcast. Go listen to the Kronos podcast if you want to hear our, <laughs> our thoughts on Kronos. But um, it looks like the Blue Beetle. And I think that's a fantastic, fantastic visual representation of what, like, of, uh, uh, of like the parallels. I think that was absolutely gorgeous. And, um, but yeah, the, the sequence where Cholo uh, or Jaime is, uh, visiting his dad, Alberto, uh, portrayed by Damian, um, and there's candles everywhere. So for those for the right. viewers at home, the candles that are everywhere, the reason why that is, is because in the movie Macario, our protagonist Macario is visited by death himself. And they see like and it's all practical, by the way, like all those those candles in, in the original movie. It's absolutely insane uh, what, what they do in that movie. But uh, uh, like each candle is supposed to represent a life. And when right. that candle is extinguished is because that life is also extinguished and um and you see Jaime's dad there like in front of all the candles just like we saw death with um all the candles in Macario I thought that was absolutely gorgeous thank you so much for bringing it up Guti because like that was insane I I had to because I mean that that scene was amazing and I the, the 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 whole what I really loved about well I loved that part um because it kind of brings in the you know magical realism which you know, is, is essential to like a lot of Latin American films mm-hmm. and we see it all over the place. Um, and, uh, Oh, also want to say, go listen to our Mercario episode, uh, to get Please more do. on that. Uh, but I also really like the fact that there's, it feels like as much as I didn't like the villain, I feel like this film has a lot of real stakes and, and, and consequences with those decisions. Um, like for me personally, like, you know, the fact that he doesn't want to, you know, during the ice raid, the fact that he doesn't want to kill anyone, right, mm-hmm. kind of leads ultimately to what happens to his father, which absolutely, mm. you know, destroyed me. Oh, um, yeah. And I love the fact yeah. that, you know, even though some people might be like, oh, that reminds me of Uncle Ben and Spider-Man or whatever, it was still directed well to the point where I noticed that reference and I noticed the similarity, but it still made me emotional. Mm-hmm. And I know it's not just me because, you know, you know, personally, there's some things, but the, even the people next to me, they were tearing up. Um, so I did want to bring that up. And I, and I love the fact that that death um, doesn't go, you know, it, it's not like basically that happens and, you know, he's magically brought back or something like that. Like that's something that Jaime has to live with. The family has to live with and it brings them together and makes them stronger. So I wanted to point that out. Yeah, I got, I got teary eyed too at that scene. I, it was just a, a gut wrench like mm. just punched yeah. to my stomach i yeah i i was yeah i was losing it because <laughs> i could i was because everything i was watching is just like because Hami is so he's like so helpless at this point because there's nothing that he can do and he's just watching his dad go through this mm-hmm. and i i was just heartbroken i was just i was breaking down i, I couldn't believe it mm-hmm. and then too when he later finds out what happened to his dad? I was like, "Come on, like yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not ready for this." Oh, God, it was yeah, it was, it was absolutely heartbreaking, heartbreaking stuff. Like I, like, I thought, I thought that the performances from absolutely everyone in that sequence 
was top notch. Everyone did a fantastic job on that. Um, no notes, just really, really well done. <laughs> like it was, um, yeah, it gets you right in the feels, man. It's just so, it it's so heart wrenching to see that, and um, yeah, yeah, absolutely, really, really sad. Um, but yeah, I think that's uh about all the major points that we wanted to get to. So we can now go into our final thoughts and our ratings for Blue Beetle. Dime, our very special guest, why don't you go ahead and get us started with your final thoughts and your rating for Blue Beetle? All right, so. Final thoughts. Yeah, I just gonna just run through just a few. I'm not gonna say a whole lot of my notes, but uh, so like that Omax suit that mm-hmm. they were showcasing. I, I remember when I was looking, I was like, this feels a lot like Pacific Rim. Like I don't know, it, just, <laughs> it, it looked like Pacific Rim. It's like what's uh, what's going on here? Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But I mean, it was still cool. It just felt like it almost felt like the similar design to Pacific Rim. Mm. But uh, but I still liked it though. Yeah. Um. Oh, when uh, so after the the cipher, the blue beetle is um like morphed into Hami's back, and he reveals it. Mm. I wanted to hurl. Oh that, my god! Yeah. <laughs> so so, Angel Manuel Soto he mentioned that he basically that scene is like his homage to like David Cronenberg. Wow. And I haven't watched a lot of David Cronenberg films. Um, so I can't speak to that, but I immediately thought of an American werewolf in London. And I Ooh, saw that, like how yeah. the transformation sequence in mm-hmm. that film, yeah. like they immediately, that's the first thing that I resonated with it. Um, yeah. but yeah, that was insane. I thought that transformation yeah. scene was absolutely gorgeous. Like seriously, and like horrific, but horrific, like in a really good way, because they don't play it for like, Oh, what, what's going on with it? No, it's like people are screaming because it is so insane. <laughs> like I, it was very well done. Yeah. Sorry. Continue time. Continue. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's only one. Yeah, that transformation is one of those like you don't want to watch, but you can't help but keep looking. Mm. Like you just don't want to look away. You're just locked into it. Yeah, yeah, that transformation was crazy. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, so when Jenny shows up at the end wearing the all black on the motorcycle, mm-hmm. she can just take me now. My wow, God. my shoot your shot, man. <laughs> Marry this is the platform. Me. <laughs> <laughs> I I was head over heels when she showed up. I couldn't believe it. Uh, but other than that, uh, this movie was good. It's I. It was emotional. It was heartfelt. It was funny. It represented the Latin American community well. I had a good time. So I'm uh, I'm I'm at four stars. Four stars from Dime. Thank you so much, Dime. Giving us a four star for Blue Beetle. Absolutely fantastic, Dime Prey. <laughs> Dime Prey right there. Uh, yeah, Dime yeah. Prey uh, Drop right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Great, great final points, Dime. I highly agree. Guti, uh, your your final thoughts and rating for Blue Beetle. Yeah. So you know, I've been seeing a lot of talk on you know, on the social media, whatever front, um, about, you know, how this movie doesn't really break, you know, the mold, you know, of like the narrative structure, you know, there's a lot of similarities to Spider-Man, I guess, you know, the original trilogy and, and Iron Man. But I think what a lot of people are missing is that, um, it, it breaks expectations. Like this is the first time we're getting a Latino live action superhero front and center. Mm -hmm. Um, and to me, there was so much that I saw in this film of my family, um, and the authenticity that comes with it is just 
it's it's unbelievable. Um, it's unbelievable how much Angel Manuel Soto and his, um, you know, and the people behind and in front of the camera were able to to sneak into this film. Like Dime mentioned, it has heart, it has soul. I don't think it's a, you know, there's a, again, a lot of film, superhero films, especially like after Endgame, and in my opinion, that I just haven't felt the same connection with them, you know, in the live action. You know, we already, we already talked about my thoughts on, on Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and, and Across the Spider-Verse. <laughs> uh, but at least in the live action realm, I just haven't felt this way about a film um, in a very long time. And so I'm hoping that this film kind of represents you know, a key point in which, you know, our stories can continue to be told on these large platforms. And be, because, you know, even though we got one, you know, image of a family, of a Latin American family, um, that is, is, you know, there's a million different Latin American families that have different customs and traditions and, and live their life um, in different ways. And I hope that with this film doing well, um, that we can see those. Um, on the big screen so i think for me um i'm gonna go four stars as well wow four stars mm. for guti you love to see it guti's a famously harsh critic and getting a four stars for blue beetle on a superhero movie that's a that's high praise high praise guti thank you so much we're we're blessed with four stars here <laughs> yeah um <laughs> uh so for me i think the last things that i wanted to say are um I thought the fights were pretty sick. I especially liked the yeah. fights that uh, uh, Jaime and Milagro have inside of the tunnel. I thought that was super great. Or maybe it's just because of the Cypress Hill uh, deedle drop. I don't know what it was, but it was nah, great. It's, it's the red lights, bro. Oh, that, that nice little homage to uh, Suspiria. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, yeah, it was just, uh, it was really, really well done. I really liked that fight. fight. Um, the final, final fight with... Um, uh with jaime and with um carapax i thought that was all right you know i thought it was pretty cool uh really like some really nice um shots but you know that's just uh uh you know more superhero stuff but to be honest i feel like this movie's getting lots of hate as being just another superhero movie and as good said like not right. breaking the mold enough or whatever um so i thought that was kind of annoying that people are just like trying to dunk on this movie when like millions of other genres get a pass of like if there's a new white rom-com that comes out it does not get any flag they're just like oh wow what a great time what a great rom-com and that's it um and like this movie like okay now you have to be revolutionary in terms of like what you are uh just to people to go watch it and i just think like get off my back bro like it's like yeah maybe it has a lot of the the tropes that superhero movies have or maybe it's because you know that's what like people are expecting a lot of these things to come into the superhero genre but what people do not expect is this latin american perspective that we never have in this type of story and ever ever like the closest we ever had was um uh with uh wakanda forever uh shout out (laughs) shout out to our other episode which dime is also on um with uh with talocan there like so like you know, other than that, like this is the closest we've ever had. This is like the most front and center it's ever been. And I think they do a really good job at highlighting everything here. I don't think that this movie is going to be kind of like the Black Panther for Latinos or something like that. Um, I don't think it's like as big as that, uh, as at least as that movie was back when it came out. But um, I do think that I think it's getting a lot of unnecessary hate. Um, 
And lastly, shout out to Chapolin Colorado once more. I mean, absolutely fantastic uh, banger of a of a <laughs> of an homage. But um, uh, Chapolin, I absolutely love it. I mean, uh, Chespirito's uh, he's he's like another member of the family. Honestly, he's in so many great um, he's in so many great uh, Latin American uh, TV shows that he has created, and uh, the fact that they had the they had like honoring Chapulín Colorado, fantastic stuff. So, um, yeah, had a couple issues here and there with it. So I am landing at four and a half stars for Blue Beetle. Not quite at the five star region for me, but I really, really did love it. I had a great time. I watched it twice already, both times in IMAX. So please, 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 everyone go support this movie because we know that studio executives are always going to learn the wrong reasons as to why a movie performs or does not perform. So if this movie underperforms, people are going to say the executives are going to think, oh, it's just because Latin Americans don't want to go see this movie. It's like, no, like, like uh, there's a writer strike going on right now. There's a, um, a sack after strike going on right now. So there's a reason why this movie was not as well promoted as it probably uh, could have been. So that's like a huge reason as to why it may not have uh, performed in the box office as well as it might have before. But, um, you know, if you have the time and, and the resources, please go and catch Blue Beetle so that executives can see that we need more Latin American stories on the big screen. So, yeah, four and a half stars for me. And last but not nice. least, uh, Ron. Oh, right, right, right before right yeah. before Ron gets in here, too, on that point that you were making, I just want to also say, like, uh, what marketing, what have they done for us? Like, literally, mm. the, I didn't see any marketing for this film whatsoever other than to, like, maybe Latinos. And even then, like, no one talked about this film until, like, basically a week before the release, mm. at least from what I'm seeing. I was seeing on social media and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm, I'm very happy, like, I'm just comparing them because they're both Warner Bros. films. Like, if you think about the marketing that Barbie got in comparison to this, mm-hmm. like, it's nothing. And it was literally thrown under the rug just because I'm assuming Flash didn't do well. Um, and the fact that they supported that film and then decided to support this film is kind of ridiculous, especially when their lead has so many issues that he's had. So, yep. yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like, if you don't market a film, obviously maybe it's not going to do as hot. But for a $25 million opening, basically, um, weekend, that for a film that's so centric to Latinos, it's definitely a, a record box office. And by the way, I also hate the fact that people think that box office is the indication of a good movie. Oh, my there's God. There's a bunch I of great movies that. that have not done well at the box office that are now, you know basically some of the best movies of all time so Mm -hmm. all right i'm done with my rant sorry yeah yeah so like uh, what we need more is for people to go and check this movie out so we can get more latin american stories and we can see more homages to macario because oh my goodness what a freaking homage that was absolutely loved it um but yeah yeah i mean and the whole thing about box office you know jurassic world is like in the top 10 of box office is that one of the best movies of all time I don't know. So, so yeah, box office is an indicator. According to Film Bros, it is. Oh, all right. Because box office numbers. That's true. There you go. Um, People love their dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah, they love the dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah. Big big dinosaur go boom, you know? So, like, it's kind of crazy. But uh, last but not least, Ron. Ron Jimenez. Why don't you go ahead and give us uh, your final thoughts and your rating for Blue Beetle? Yeah, let me get my uh, my my notes up here, uh, dear listener. I uh, my call actually dropped out, so I missed the last few minutes of uh, of what they were talking yeah. about. So apologies if I repeat anything that was uh, already said. <laughs> um, but uh, so a, a couple things that I wanted to mention. Um, 
the uh, I you know I'm a very big comics guy, and uh, I the the Silver Age is is always referred to the Silver Age Blue Beetle. Um, Ted Cord is one of my favorite characters, and um, I was very pleasantly surprised to see that he was represented in uh, in this. Um, I actually think that uh, Jenny being Brazilian is a reference to uh, a character called Fire in the Justice League that um, was very closely associated with Blue Beetle, so um, that's pretty cool. Uh, James Gunn, Peter Serafin, please cast Jason Sudeikis as Ted Cord in the sequel. Um, oh, I, wow. I, I would do anything <laughs> to That'd see be that. amazing, yeah. Um, <laughs> or maybe Bill Hader and have Jason Sudeikis play Booster Gold. Um, oh, Bill mm-hmm. Bill Hader, I love Bill Hader. Yeah. yeah. Um, Is Bill Hader I, Latino? We got to we got uh, Yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, so I wanted to mention the end credits. Um, not, not the scene, but like the actual credits themselves. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think that I've ever seen a, a, a movie this size um, targeted at like a mainstream audience with so many Spanish names in, in, in the end credits like that. It's like I was surprised nope. how much it got me. And like, I, th- and I think that speaks to like how often I haven't seen that. Um, so, uh, you know, like I know I'm, I'm always like the, the representation matters guy on, on, on this podcast, but um, I'm, I'm going to do it again. Cause mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm, there there was a lot of, of of stuff in this that was the same as that's in a lot of other superhero movies um and uh, i thought it, it it still did it well um even though some stuff was you know like uh i thought some of the fight scenes were cool some of the action was uh, was a little you know like cliched and stuff there were you know there were a lot of the same tropes that are in a lot of other things um oh my god the digital flamingos why the digital flamingos Mm-mm. um but all that being said like like as as a comics fan and as this just like a standalone movie like i i expect to see like a lot of like three and three and a half star ratings on this um but i i i have to say like you know the the four of us are in a number of you know um communities online communities and stuff that talk about movies and comics and music and 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 lots of other pop culture stuff um some of them you know we're all in together others like i'm i'm in separately um about a year ago there was a major property that was coming out um with the latino lead for the the first time and in one of those communities um there was a little um there was debate on whether or not it was going to be good and i mentioned how i made a comment about how well there's a latino lead so that's like i'm counting that as a win already and someone that i admire and respect um made a comment to the effect of like wow the bar is really low if you're counting that as a win um Again, I, I, I admire and respect that person a lot, and um, a lot of what they usually say I, I agree with, and they're, you know, they're, they usually have a lot of really insightful things to, to say about a lot, of, a lot of other stuff. But I also feel like they were saying that as someone who has always seen themselves in the media that they have, have consumed. Um, and uh, I, I was really, really taken aback 
by how much of myself and my dad and my sisters and my grandparents, my aunts and uncles and, and, and cousins and, and my best friends that, that I saw in this. So, um, it, it does matter. Um, and I know it's just in a lot of ways, run in the mill superhero movie, but seeing my community represented, um, it, it was a lot like when I saw Spider-Man for the first time back in 2002. Um, I got the same kind of feelings. And because of that, this is a five-star movie for me. Five-star banger from Ron. Boom. Love to hear it. Absolutely incredible. Boom, boom, boom. That was, I mean, what a, what a note to end it on too. No notes mm-hmm. at like I cosign. <laughs> great. Great. Really well put Ron. Thank you for, um, Thank you for for letting for telling us that and for uh, putting it so so point poignantly. You used the big word last time, so I'll use a big word poignant. <laughs> uh, yeah, shout out Dirk. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, just um, I mean, yeah. So those are our final thoughts and our ratings. Uh, basically, pretty positive across the board. So I'm loving it. I'm really really loving it. So let's go on and see what people are saying about this movie. So we have a tag over on Letterboxd. If you tag your review with Real Latinos, that's R-E-E-L-L-A-T-I-N-O-S, you can add the space, you can remove the space, it's fine. Uh, We'll check both. But uh, we basically, if you tag your review on Letterboxd with that, then we can read your review. So we have two reviews to read off today. One, the first one is from our dear friend, Grew Grex Dave. Thank you so much for tagging your review, Grew, uh, or Dave, I should say. Um, but uh, so Dave writes, Hey, yo! Need to wipe those superhero doldrums off your face? Well, it's right here. Colorful and filled with familia, this keeps a quick pace almost from the start, and other than a few speed bumps, lands with a heart and a bunch of laughs. Thank you so much, Dave, for a wonderful review. And thank you for tagging it with Relatinos. Uh, we appreciate you and we love you. Um, and the next up, we also have another review uh, tagged Relatinos for Blue Beetle. And it's by our dear friend, Nathan. Nathan Gwynn. Uh, Nathan writes for Blue Beetle, Adriana Barraza was born to hold a Gatling gun on screen. Yes. <laughs> yeah, very much uh, uh agreed Nathan. I mean, what a what a scene. And the fact that, you know, she has that background as like a revolutionary, uh probably fought with Pancho Villa. Cool stuff, man. Real cool <laughs> stuff. Uh so I I really really love that. So thank you Nathan for tagging your review with Real Latinos. Um and if you'd like to hear your review, uh her uh, read here on the podcast, make sure to tag your review with Real Latinos as R E E L L A T I N O S. Um, we also have a review that we'd like to spotlight, and that is of Rosa. Rosa, uh, you may have heard her voice in our Flamin' Hot episode, but she is just a wonderful journalist and journalist in her own right. And she um writes for the Daily Chela, and she actually has a review of Blue Beetle on the Daily Chela. If you'd like to go read it, the link will be in the show notes. But we would also like to, um, uh, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> sorry. We would also like to highlight that here. So uh, Rosa's review for Blue Beetle starts off as Blue Beetle is a funny, heartfelt, and culturally significant entry into the superhero genre. 
my most anticipated movie of 2023 is finally here. Thank you so much, Rosa. If you'd like to read the whole review, please, please, please go to thedailychela.com and see Rosa's review of Blue Beetle. We will have, again, that link in the show notes. Uh, and this week, we also have an email. We have an email today, so it's time to go out and read that. We're getting an email from Dirk Feelgood. Dirk, you may have uh, heard his voice over at the Movie Mixtape Podcast. Lovely, lovely friend of the show and executive producer of uh, Ron's other podcast, uh, The Needle Drop, I believe, right? He's a, he's a producer over there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Dirk, thank you so much for writing in. So let's start off with Dirk's email. Uh, Dirk's email subject line is Blue Beetle. All right. Dirk writes, Hola, real Latinos. ¿Qué tal? Oh, very nice, Dirk. Very, ¿qué tal? <laughs> Are you all right? <laughs> so that, that was the next line. I, I didn't I didn't write it like that. I'm just writing it how Dirk wanted me to read it. So <laughs> Dirk, Dirk, Dirk continues. Are you all right? Um, I wanted to write into your pod box this week because you are here covering the Blue Beetle movie. Now, if fates had aligned, I would have already seen this film and could offer some comments. But sadly, I have not. But I will be sure to hashtag Real Latinos in my LB review when I do. Thank you. Thank you, Dirk, for for uh, for plugging that. <laughs> plugging that on the pod here. Uh, Dirk continues. However, what I can do is share some of my expectations and, yes, Ron, trepidations, <laughs> trepidations <laughs> at the prospect. Thank you, uh, uh, Dirk, for using the word of the week. <laughs> yeah, trepidation. Callback. Tre- callback. 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 <laughs> Check out our last episode. Uh, Dirk continues. Growing up, the Justice League International were my Justice League. All the bwahaha nonsense was just perfect for me, and my two favorite Justice dudes were Booster Gold and Blue Beetle. Yeah. As I am sure Ron has mentioned, though, this isn't Jaime Beetle. This is Ted Cord Beetle. Something about Ted Cord, the second Blue Beetle, really connected with me. Probably his kindness, his determination, his smarts, and also how he was constantly underestimated by friends and foes alike. Fast forward a number of years, and I see we are getting a new Blue Beetle. This one looks cool, sure, but he wasn't Ted. I named my dog Ted. My first car was a blue Volkswagen Beetle. I'm invested, (laughs) all caps, invested in Ted Cord. Me too, Dirk. (laughs) Uh, uh, But I bought the first issue with Jaime Reyes, and I once again fell in love with the Blue Beetle. A new Beetle with their own history and one who opened up a new world for me. Somewhere in a long box under my stairs, I have the full initial run of Jaime's Beetle, and it's something I cherish. It feels amazing we will see Jaime and the Beetle on the big screen. However, uh, sorry, honestly, I never would have thought this character was one that would get the cinematic treatment. Mm-hmm. So now, the trepidations. <laughs> will they do Jaime and his legacy justice? He may have cosmic powers, but ultimately, the Beatles' stories feel more intimate and more about family and friendship. I hope that's what we get, but either way, I can't wait to listen to your threes and dimes opinion after I have spent my money at the pictures. Guti, thanks for introducing us all to some classic cinema and providing so much context and background to the movies you cover. Ron, we stand together on Ted Cord and many matters. We write as one, and I always laugh at your synopsis. Ismael, 
I can't believe you read out this long RC email. <laughs> and let me say, your hosting skills are insane. Thank you so much, Dirk. Uh, vamos, real Latinos. Adios, Dirk. Dirk, feel good. Wow, what an email. What an email from Dirk. Absolutely incredible. Uh, Dirk, don't you worry. I'll read any long RC email you send in. Like, I'll s send it, please. Please, I'm happy to read them. And if you'd like to Even read, for movies we haven't covered. Send, send a Shaun of the covered. Dead email. Yes, Mel, I'll read it. Oh, I will. I absolutely will. I'll do a whole Cornetto trilogy of emails uh, for free. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it'll probably be on its own feed. Ron will, get, Ron will cut it all out, but I'll read it. I'll definitely read it. Um, so if you want to hear your uh, voice uh, heard here on the show, make sure to email us at reallatinos at gmail.com. That's R-E-E-L-L-A-T-I-N-O-S at gmail.com. And you can also reach out to our social media handles. We are on every social media that you can think of at Real Latinos. That's at R-E-E-L-L-A-T-I-N-O-S. -E yeah, we're on my, MySpace. <laughs> we're on AOL. We are on Neopets. <laughs> I'm just um, but uh, shout out Trainer. But uh, yeah, so... Um, so yeah, if you want to send in any of your thoughts, please go ahead and, and write to us because we'd love to hear your thoughts and uh, say it out here on the show. And if you'd rather not have it read on the show, you know, I don't know why that would be, but if you'd rather not hear it on the show, but you still want to reach out to us, please do. We'd love to hear from you. So this leads us to our next episode. So our next episode, as we have said before, is going to be actually an episode about like six movies. We're going to be talking... Um, here, let me bring up the list so that I don't miss anything. Up is mine. Please, please, please. Uh, okay. So next episode, we will be covering, as we have said before, the Ariel Award nominees. So the Ariel Awards are basically, to put it really quickly, the Mexican Oscars ceremony. And we'll be covering six films. And they are as follows. They are Bardo. Falsa Crónica de Unas Cuantas Verdades. This one we already have an episode on, so make sure to go and listen to that episode. Uh, we will be covering Huesera, The Bone Woman. We will be covering El Norte Sobre el Vacío. We will be covering La Caída. We will be covering La Civil. And we will be covering Ruido. Uh, and all of these are available to either stream or on rent. So Bardo is on Netflix. Huesera is on Shudder. El Norte Sobre el Vacío is on Prime Video. La Caída is also on Prime Video. La Civil is available for rent. Um, and Ruido is on Netflix. So all of these are available to watch. Please, please, please go and watch those movies as we will be covering all our predictions, all our, um, all our thoughts on these movies for our next episode for the Ariel Awards. Yeah, so I also just wanted to give a quick shout out because this August 25th, uh, Friday, uh, will be Uruguay's uh, Independence Day. Ooh, so whoop. shout out to uh, all our friends in Uruguay. Uh, I have a special friend uh, from college who, who lives down there. So wanted to give uh, all the Uruguayans their shout out on the podcast. Fantastic. Uruguay, we love you. You have a fantastic flag, may I say. Really beautiful. Blue is one of my favorite colors. And blue, blue beetle. Yeah. This is a perfect. This is symbiosis. Exactly. This is great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know if I use the word symbiosis correctly, but you know, let's hope. Let's hope I did, or else Dirk's gonna get on me. Gosh. Fake it. Fake it till you make it. Yeah, I gotta fake it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll see, we'll see what happens. Um. Uh. So, Dime, thank you so much for being a wonderful guest. Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can follow me on Letterbox mm. at uh, King King Dime. That's a K-I-N-G-D-I-M-E. 
Fantastic. The king. The king is here. King Dime. Uh, <laughs> Guti, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at letterbox.com uh, forward slash Finn Cinema Dreams. Finn Cinema Dreams. The new handle, mind you. So if you have Finn's listened to handle. all of our episodes before, this episode and our last episode, Guti has changed the handle. So please, please, please go give him a follow. And Ron, where can people find you on the internet? I'm also on Letterboxd, Ron Jimenez. And you can find me on Letterboxd as well with my initials IVM. That's I-V as in videos, M as in movies. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us for yet another wonderful episode of Real Latinos. Los queremos mucho. Nos vemos hasta la próxima y adios. 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 Great. Real Latinos is a podcast written, produced, and hosted by Christian Gutierrez, Ron Jimenez, and Ismael Villarreal. Mixed and edited by Ron Jimenez. Artwork provided by Lisbeth Jimenez, Ron Jimenez, and Ismael Villarreal. Original music provided by Toro Lomata. Muchas gracias y hasta la próxima.